Welcome to Gathering Hope Slaying the Stigma podcast. This is a podcast focused on changing the narrative of pregnancy and infant loss one mother at a time. This series is designed to empower and encourage survivors in their healing journey while also educating others to understand the unique issues surrounding miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss. To learn more about Gathering Hope, you can find us online at gatheringhope.org as well as on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Today we have part one of a two-part episode with Meredith Zahorsky. Meredith is a wife, mom, author, Jesus follower, and LPC. In today's episode, she tells us about the beginning of her journey through pregnancy loss and finding hope and suffering. I'm Carol Vantine, co-founder of Gathering Hope and producer of Slaying the Stigma podcast. And now here is Peyton Lauderdale, my fellow co-founder and host of the program. Welcome, Meredith, to Slaying the Stigma. I am so glad to have you here this morning. Um, I'm excited to talk about your story, and I'm also excited to talk about your book. I can't wait to talk about this, too. Um, But welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, Tell me a little bit about yourself, about your family, and kind of what you do. Yeah. Well, like you said, my name is Meredith, and... um... I am by profession an LPC, Um, so I have a right now virtual um, practice. Um, We've just relocated, and so I haven't got it in-person space yet, but um, I'm looking for that and um, love doing what I do and just feel really called to that, called to um, walk with the brokenhearted, you know, and um, to point them to Jesus Um, as much as I can when I can and just, and just really be, um, bearing witness to what they're walking through, um, and helping them. Um, and um, I have a husband who is great. His name is Kyle and he is a corporate pilot. And, um, so he flies around and, um, but is here often and a lot. And then I have, um, six babies, three of which are in heaven and three that are here earthside, um, with us. And they are Max and Molly and they are twins and they are so fun and so different. (laughs) And I can't believe they both were inside of me and came outside and then are this like they are so different. So spent all that time together, but shared a womb, but couldn't be more different. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. Really, actually, Molly is like me made over and Max is like my husband made over. So it's just very interesting. Um, And then um, I have Miles and he is uh, four and he is that typical bookend, wild, crazy, fun kid. (laughs) I, I'm the oldest of three. And so I, I know that bookend very well. <laughs> the, the bookend they are in my family actually just had a baby himself. Uh, well, I mean, obviously his wife did, but he, um, I'm just like this. I just can't wait to watch him be a parent. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> um, well, Meredith, uh, I would love to know 
share as much of your story as you feel comfortable. Um, You've shared so much of it in Magnificent Grief, but share with others your, tell us about Madeline and your other babies as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, as my husband and I, we were married about two years and, you know, that's kind of like, I feel like everybody's, they're like, okay, you know, we hit the two-year mark. We need to start thinking about that. And um, for us, you know, everybody that I knew, no one talked about it. Everybody just got pregnant and had babies. And that just was not the case for us. Um, I We figured out pretty quickly that there were some things going wrong and went um, to a doctor, um, my doctor, my OB, and, you know, talked with her. And I'm actually so thankful for her because she did not dismiss uh, my concerns, which, you know, we were young. And so uh, a lot of people would have done that, mm-hmm. um, but she did not. And we checked some things out and found out that I most likely had PCOS. Okay. Um, and that was really hindering, obviously, um, getting pregnant and then, you know, learning a lot about that, learning that not just getting pregnant, but sustaining pregnancy um, might be difficult for us. For um, some people who are not familiar with PCOS, sure. can you share a little bit about what that what that means? Yeah, it's it's called PCOS is short for polycystic ovary syndrome. And that is there's like differing degrees of, of that, you know, okay. um, like a spectrum, like anything else. Um, and uh, it's where just hormonally things don't uh, line up. So you may not ovulate as regularly. And then at the same time, you might have cysts that form um, that impede implantation and different things like that. So there's varying degrees of, of, of what that might look like. Okay. Um, and so we found out that that we were working with that. And my doctor thought that it would be good because I was not um, ovulating. And so my doctor thought that it would be good to get on Clomid uh, just to try that, to see if that would trigger ovulation and and see what would happen there. Um, So we did that and got pregnant the first time on that. So that was so exciting. And I was so sick. I mean, like, <laughs> so sick. Like, morning sickness was, like, all day and all night. Morning sickness. Morning sickness. <laughs> so, I need to change that name. Yes. I need to get a petition to change that name. It's not true. So many um, of us can relate to that, yes. Yes. And, but was so happy, you know, so excited and so happy Um, and we went and saw the heartbeat and it was so fun. And I just remember thinking like this, this is our baby, you know, Mm. and we were just so excited. And I went back for my 12 week appointment and my husband, I even told my husband, like, don't come, like, it's just, they're going to check it and we're going to go. Um, and we go in, I go in and, you know, I was just still pretty naive and she cannot find a heartbeat on the little Doppler. Mm. And she says, it's no big, it's not, you know, it's no big deal. That happens all the time. Like, let's go get an ultrasound. And I even remember walking to the ultrasound, still not like, she said it was okay. Like not understanding right the gravity of like what could be, um, and then she gets in there and, and says, you know, 
there is no heartbeat today and shut everything down. And I still remember like the click of the ultrasound, Mm. you know, it felt like it echoed and, and everything was, you know, really, I felt like everything was spinning, you know, and then I realized in true Meredith fashion, I have forgotten my phone. (laughs) And so I have no way to call my husband, (laughs) but thankfully that day. Huh? Yes. Oh, it wasn't even like back in the doctor's office at home. And so I'm like, okay. And I kind of tell her and she says, well, you can use my office. And then I'm like, do I even know his phone number? Like, and so I I did, thankfully, you know, did know his phone number and not changed since we were dating. So I was like, thankfully, I still know his phone number. And I call him and he doesn't answer because it's from some random number. And I leave this really unintelligible message about, you know, I'm, we lost the baby and I'm going to the hospital to double check for a heartbeat, Um, which is, I still have questions about like, you know, why it's, it's hard to do that, you know, to, we we should figure out a different way, you know, that we don't have to do that twice. Mm -hmm. Um, Amen to that. Yeah. And so we go and, or I go, And I just tell him I'm going to be home when I'm home. And so I start to go and I realize I didn't tell him where I was going to be or anything. Just so I'm going to this hospital and I'll be home. And, you know, they say there's no heartbeat. Um, You know, you see it again and don't hear anything again. That that thing that you're used to hearing, even though it was only one time. Um, And I drive home and he's not there. where is he? Why is he not here? So I call him and he, and I just say this because like, you know, I think in grief, um, we're so, we grieve so differently sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and this picture just really helped to remind me like how good he was, you know, he was driving the parking lots of both hospitals, you know, in the city looking for me. And so, um, he, you know, he, I called him, he came home and, you know, he did made all the calls that night that I couldn't do. He did all the things. Um, and, you know, we scheduled surgery for the next morning in DNC. And, um, I remember just not sleeping that night and really the Lord putting on my heart, like Romans eight twenty eight, which is like the verse that no, like, is is a great ver- like we love saying that verse to people or we we used to love saying that verse to people we <laughs> love saying that verse to people that verse is easy to say but it's hard to hear you know yes. um and but i remember god putting that on my heart and not that that he was going to make death okay cuz it's it's never okay it's never going to be okay but that he could make use of my suffering Mm. of our suffering. Um, and so that's what I really prayed. I remember saying, okay, if you, if this is going to happen, then I don't, I don't want you to waste one bit of it. You know, I want it to change me and make me better, um, for all the things. And so that's really what we clung to during, during that time. And, um, you know, I was a middle school counselor, um, at a school, a, a okay. small 
little school and it was summer break. And so we had left and all the kiddos had like already named our baby and all the things. And I just remember thinking like, I have to go back and tell them I don't have, there's no baby. And so I did what all good LPCs and counselors would do. And I emailed my assistant <laughs> and told them to tell the staff and to tell one not, tell everyone not to bring it up to me ever again. And <laughs> Right. So exactly what you would would advise someone to do, right? A hundred percent. And so thankfully most people listened to that, but there were some my good friends that knew like that's probably really for other people and not for me. And, <laughs> and checked on me and all of those things. Yes. Um but that was a hard season to have to go um back and you know, tell those sweet kiddos, you know, it's is not, this is what happened, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and we kept trying and, um, then, uh, a few months later, about four or five months later, I found out I was pregnant. And again, we are so excited, but this time there was excitement with, you know, more of a reality of, of what could be and what could happen. Sure. Um, and at seven weeks, I started to have some complications and I just remember thinking like, here we go again, you know, like this, this is, this is not going well. And I am a plan for the worst. I used to be, I like to think I've grown from that, but I am a plan for the worst. So when that happens, I'm not caught off guard. Um, that I've kind of like, in a sense, like already done some of the grieving, which is not good, but this is not what I would advise. This is not, not, this is, if any of you are listening and you need help, this is not how I counsel. I'm just telling you, this is how I, how I was and how sometimes when left, how I am. But you know, it's just like you said, you just, I did that and uh, went through that and went to the doctor's office. My husband was with me this time. Okay. And he, um, said, they said, um, they said, this is, um, I'm trying to remember the exact words we go in there and they say, you know, there's two heartbeats, not one. Everything's good. And my husband let out the most awkwardly long laugh ever. Like, he, like oh two you know and we <laughs> hadn't talked about twins because my um my parents have 27 sets of twins between both of them so we and my and my my mom had triplets and so um we knew that there was like a potential for wow twins you know and it, my husband had always said it's fine it's like buy one get one free so like if that happens it's totally fine um that he, awkwardly long laugh I don't, I think he was rethinking the buy one, get one free at the same time, you know, (laughs) right at that moment. Um, But we were still just so excited, you know, that everything was okay and that we were, you know, it looked good. And so, you know, everything was pretty uh, smooth sailing for a little bit. You know, I don't know if anybody, you know, when you have twins, you go to the doctor a lot more. Okay. Um, Was that a comfort for you? 
it was, it actually was, you know, cause we could see things and, you know, so that part of it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it wasn't an, an, in some ways I'm like, again, but it was, it was good. So I would not, you know, that you basically have a doctor for you and then a doctor for the baby, for the babies, okay. um, the babies, sorry. Um, and so then at about 16 weeks, my husband or 17 weeks, my husband calls and says, you know, I lost my job. I need you to come home. And I was like, that's not, I mean, I, that's not a funny joke. And he was like, it's, it's not a joke. Um, and so we went home and, but I remember thinking like, God has this, you know, if this is what he has this, you know, it doesn't mean it won't be rough or whatever, but he, his ways are good. And he has this, um, so he was in oil and gas then. He had his okay. master's in business um, and kind of stopped flying for a little while. I say it's because I was so amazing. He wanted to, he didn't want to be gone from me all the time. <laughs> and so he needed to like have a nine to five job. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I tell myself. So <laughs> um, we did that. And then he really started kind of evaluating what he was doing and things like that. And decided he wanted to go back to flying. And so okay. he did that. And we moved to Texas four weeks um, before we had the twins. <laughs> and so oh, my was, gosh. I know, right? But I will also say it's also kind of genius because you don't have to do anything. Nobody makes you do anything. I never Nothing. thought of it that way, but you're so right. Nothing. Like, I would, like, move just my body basically. And they'd be like, sit down. What are you doing? And so, I mean, it was hectic, but it was also pretty glorious. So, (laughs) um, we went and we had the twins. Um, I had kind of a rough delivery, but it all worked out. Um, and they were here and they were so good. And it was, so tiring like it was so tiring (laughs) but it was so good and I remember thinking I am so tired but I am so thankful you know that they're here and they're safe um so we were just you know twin parenting it and it was about a year later and I remember uh going to church and you know the verse um give thanks in all circumstances mm-hmm. for this is God's will for you. And I remember thinking like, like for some reason, God just said, like, I want to root you in that. Like, remember this, like so much so that I told my husband, like, I feel like God is calling us to thankfulness. Um, he was a flight instructor and really wanted to fly again, but you kind of mm-hmm. have to do that to get back into flying. And so, and, you know, we hadn't, we'd make good friends, but it was hard to get out and build those relationships. And so we were still kind of struggling just in, in, you know, in our new town in Flower Mound, just because mm-hmm. we had twins, we didn't get out much and job stuff. And I was trying to get my LPC in Texas from Oklahoma and there's all kinds of stuff that happens with that. And I will digress if I go into that, but they do not play nice. That's a separate podcast, right? That's a separate podcast. I'll just say they don't play nice with each other, but it's fine. Um, I'm over it. And uh, so all of those things. And he says, 
you know, and he's like, okay. And I think he was really honestly annoyed with me because like for the next week, like everything, I was like, we're just going to give thanks. I think he's like, I get it, Meredith. Like, I get it. We're giving thanks. And then I started to feel the sickness that only comes from being pregnant. And I remember thinking, nope, like, A, we don't get pregnant alone. And B, we were actively not trying to get pregnant. And C, like, they're not even walking yet. Like, yeah, this is what? And I was just like, "Um, no, I'm not. And then I walked into the grocery store, which was like the vein of my existence when I was pregnant with Max and Molly. And I was like, oh, yep. Mm -hmm." And so I, because just all the smells. So I got a pregnancy (laughs) test. And the grocery store when you're pregnant is, it's something else. It's like when the vows come into question, I think, like, will you go to the grocery store for me? Because if you want, like, that's pretty close to break. That's pretty close. (laughs) It's true. Remember that, people. (laughs) So, um, and it lit up like the 4th of July. And I remember thinking, I am so overwhelmed right now, like so overwhelmed. But then I heard the give thanks and I'm like, okay, like, this is what you meant. And so I'm like trying to plan how I'm going to tell my husband, you know, like, yes, surprise. <laughs> so yay I, cl- or yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I cleaned the whole house, which like for having like twins that don't walk, that's a lot. Like, I mean, like, not just like, like I might've even dusted. So I cleaned everything. I was like making dinner. The kids were already in bed when he got home and he got home and he was kind of like, what is, and I'm like, he's like, dinner smells great. And I remember standing over the pot and when he said dinner smells great, I just started crying and he's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, will you love, do you love me? And he's like, yes what is wrong and I'm like will you love me forever and he was like oh my goodness Meredith what is wrong I think he was like I don't know things only hormonal people say (laughs) and then I just I'm pregnant and he just hugged me and said it's okay like it's gonna be okay it we're gonna make it is that it like kind of like Okay. Was there something else? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, no. And so, I mean, I think later he was like, oh my, but you know, like in the grand scheme of things, that is not like, that's fine. Right. And so that's what we chose to do is just, okay. People may think we're crazy, but we're just giving thanks and we're going to do this. And so that's what we did. And we got so excited. And then I just had this feeling a lot that like, something wasn't right. Um, and I told a couple people, but not a lot. And I was like, something just doesn't feel right. I don't know that I felt bad. I mean, even worse than I like did being pregnant, but I was just like some, I just don't feel settled. And I remember telling Kyle and my doctor makes people, um, I don't know if it's a hard requirement, but is strongly suggested that someone come with them to the 20 week ultrasound. My other doctor didn't do that. And I just thought like, well, she's kind of a Debbie Downer, but okay. (laughs) And so, 
you know, we rearranged it where Kyle could come. His mom came down and watched the kids. And um, I went and I told him in the, you know, the waiting room, like, ah, I just feel like something's wrong. And he was like, it's everything's fine, Meredith. Like, we're going to get in there. We're going to see it. It's fine. You know, like, don't worry. So we get in there and I told the ultrasound lady, like, because <laughs> you weren't supposed to see the doctor that day. Just to get oh, the ultrasound. Okay. <clears throat> and I said, you know, if something's wrong, are you going to tell me? Are you going to like, you know? not Mm -hmm. and she was like okay Debbie down you know like now I'm the Debbie downer and she's like is something wrong I was like no I just I want to know and she was like well you know so we started and then pretty immediately I could tell like something wasn't right um she showed us the heartbeat and then you know pretty quickly cut it off and said there's some significant complications and I need you to go to to the doctor's waiting room and I just thought you know okay here we go and so um we went the doctors it took what felt like forever but I'm sure she you know was researching and trying to figure out what was going on Mm -hmm. and came in there and just said like there's fluid every you know just everywhere and you know I don't know what it is so we need to get you a specialist appointment tomorrow. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't look good. Those are hard, yeah. hard words to hear. I don't, I don't know. I don't know from a doctor is huge. What, um, like, how did you guys, I'm just thinking that specific statement, like, what was your reaction to, I don't know. Honestly, mine was, um, at first was it's over, Mm. you know? Um, and my husband is so much more optimistic than me, Mm. or at least at that point. Um, and was like, she said, she didn't know, like, there's still a chance, you know, like it could be a virus. Like they said, they didn't know, you know, and I remember texting you know, kind of like our prayer group, um, and my mom's group. Um, and actually I didn't know it then, but there, my mom's group leader who I just, like had just joined that mom's group, um, was, had a, had, had a baby that was stillbirth. And, um, and looking back, I can just see the hand of God in that, you know? Um, and so they just started praying and, we went to this, we talked that night, we went out to eat and just talked, you know, like tried to process what was happening and what we were thinking and, you know, just had the conversation of like, we're going to let this be God's choice, no matter how sick this baby is. Okay. You know, and of, of what's going to happen. And um, so we went to the specialist appointment And I walk into the room where the specialist is and uh, my doctor's standing right there. And so she can't, you know, I don't know if that's rare or not, but I thought it was rare Mm -hmm. and it felt so loved and so cared for. And so we start looking and, you know, he's confirming there's just a lot of fluid. um, And he kind of decided he either thought that they couldn't tell if it was a girl or a boy still, which was still like the thing I really just wanted to know is like, is this, you know, like, is this baby a girl or a boy? And 
they couldn't tell, but they thought like if it's a if it's a girl, it could be Turner syndrome, and okay. that's a chromosomal um, defect. Um, and if not, they're just not they're not sure why all the fluid is is building up. And so, and I didn't have much um, amniotic fluid, so it was like okay. um, that process wasn't working well. Um, like the baby was taking on most of the amniotic fluid is kind of what they thought that they might be seeing. And so they're talking about all of that. And my sweet husband started to get sick and lightheaded from, you know, all the discussion of like what could happen and all of those things. And mm-hmm. so I, I shouldn't laugh, laugh at this, but I did laugh at, you know, he's like starting to get sick and my doctor, this is the part I laughed at, not that he was getting sick. <clears throat> that sounded really bad. That he um, started like unbuttoning his shirt so he could get air and they like moved me off the table. And my doctor they moved like, you off the table. It's really weird. Like, you? yeah, they moved me off the table to put him on the table. And then they like, like all of her nurses, I don't know that the poor, like the, her poor office. I mean, I would think that the specialist office had people, but they, so her nurses from upstairs came down. So like now we have specialist, my doctor and all of my regular doctors, nurses down in that, in the room. And they're getting him like crackers and juice and like, he's, you know, getting sick. And she's like, my doctor's like, it's really weird. You look really pale, but also really red at the same time. And I'm like in the corner trying not to laugh out loud, but like sometimes it's happening. And I'm like that, like, I don't know what the white's for, but he's the most modest person I know. And you're taking his shirt off. So that is why he is red. <laughs> he is so embarrassed right now. <laughs> and so, you know, they I'm just got making him. this picture it in was, my head. <laughs> right and that, like, it's a good picture. Room, it's a I'm sure. picture that I go back to sometimes. It was very, it was, it, it was what we needed. You know, like that, it was so heavy. (laughs) Yes, we needed it. And so, you know, he recovers and they just, they decide that they need to do another test. um, But gave us a pretty, you know, a 2% chance of, of survival. And then, you know, suggested um, that we just go ahead and terminate, you know, Mm -hmm. And we decided that that we wanted to leave that in in the Lord's hands of of what He wanted to do and leave it open for Him, you know, to make that miracle because He's a hundred percent capable of that. Yes. And so we left and started making plans of, you know, when to come back and all of that stuff. And we did, and and they did the test, and we're still waiting. And then finally. This was about in a four week time frame, And finally, okay. but they had told us, I was like 18 weeks and they told us if we could make it to 28 weeks, they might could save the baby. Okay. And so I like, that was kind of my goal was like 28. We're doing 28. And I just felt like God was asking me to hope. And we found out it was a girl and, and we named her Madeline Grace. Um, and I just felt like God was asking me to hope for her, you know? Yeah. to hope that she would be okay and to love her, you know, to not, cause my tendency is to just go ahead and start to grieve and start yeah. to, 
do that. And so I picked out, we bought a house. We needed a new room. We bought, we needed to buy a house anyway. We were in a rent house, but we bought a house and she had a room in the house and, um, or we had already started that process and um, picked out nursery colors and all the things. That was my way of like loving her, you know, while she was here with us. Yeah. Yeah. And so and we just tried to live a normal life, you know, um, friends. And um, I learned about myself. I'm not a good public like griever. At least I wasn't in that season. I didn't know what people expected of me. It was really hard in the waiting. Like I would go places and I just felt like like that head tilt. And I would, I don't know what you want from me. Like I've already yes. cried as much as I can cry and I'm, I'm not giving up. I am hopeful, but I don't know what you want from me. And <clears throat> so a like lot of people, our, did it, did it seem like people wanted you to just be in constant state of great active grieving all the time? I, it more, maybe it more felt like they were waiting for me to, to tell them how to act. <laughs> Like, what are we doing today? Okay. <laughs> Which in, in, in essence is really kind. It, it is, but it's also really a lot of responsibility. It's a and lot I'm of like pressure on you. Barely function, you know, barely function. I'm trying to live in hope and I just can't take any more responsibility right now. Right. And um, my husband was really good at saying like, you get to do whatever you want. If you want to go, you get to go. If you don't want to go, you don't, you don't have to go. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. In our <clears throat> small group, we had just joined a new church. Um, and so like, I mean, literally like the week before we found out and we're in a small wow. group and I was okay. like, wow, we are really bringing the mood down here. <laughs> and so, but they were so good in our old small group at the church that we had been attending was just rallied around us. And, it's really interesting. They wanted to bring food to like, so I wouldn't have to cook, which is like very kind. But like, for me, I thought food means death. Like when oh, people die, wow, yes. they bring food. And I was like, nope, no one is to bring me food. I do not want food. I am not grieving right now. Mm-hmm. And, but I needed food also. <laughs> and so they gave gift cards instead. And somehow that felt so different. <laughs> And I don't know why, but it did, you know, no one was bringing, like, bring, it just felt so different. And so that's what they did. And I love and adore them for that. And then we came to an appointment and we asked if we could travel over Thanksgiving break. And all the while, I just kept remembering, like, give thanks. And we had this, like, sense of really unshakable peace I describe it like not the kind of peace, like everything's okay. Like everything's hunky dory, but like the peace that's like, you're in this river that you should not be able to stand in, but you can stand up. Like you can stand up and when needed, you can, you can move. And, uh, we just had, it was this huge sense of peace. And so we went to a doctor's appointment. Um, and I call them like, there were two specialists, the one just like specials who was like your regular, like, I'm going to tell you like it is no sugar coating kind of 
gruff, but really knowledgeable and good, mm-hmm. you know, in that area. And then I call it the grandpa doctor who would come in and hold my hand because sometimes Kyle didn't, he would stand outside the door, but he didn't go in to see some of the like ultrasound things because of previous history. <laughs> and, um, but he was there. It wasn't like I felt alone. He was there, but yeah. this other doctor would come in and they said it was so they could consult. That doctor did almost no consulting. He held my hand, mm-hmm. you know, and I just called him the grandpa doctor of like, he was, he, for whatever reason, you know, he was there. God put him there to hold a provision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they told us that we could travel if we wanted to over Thanksgiving break. Um, but I remember this statement. I actually don't, I didn't put it in the book and I don't, I don't know why, but I know, I think it's because it was, I didn't even realize the impact that it had. Um, he's until like continuing to think about it. He said, you can travel, um, but if you if you travel and you feel the baby stop moving, the baby has died, and you shouldn't tell anyone until you get back here. Oh Not goodness. even you probably don't even need to tell your husband because you don't want to ruin Thanksgiving. Was this the grandpa doctor that said? No, that? not the grandpa doctor. Oh my! This was the straightforward, just like rough, not rough gruff doctor um and you know at the moment I'm just like shaking my like okay like shaking my head and then I just remember thinking like like that's what we're told is that our grief ruins it wow you know and and not everybody said that right not everybody said that um And my husband, of course, was like, oh, my goodness. Like, no. Um, But there's these these undercurrents of like, you don't want to burden people with this. And I actually think it's so different. I think that that it's people's gift to carry us in those moments. And even if they are and even if they are uncomfortable with it, that's actually really good for them. To learn how to sit in that uncomfortableness and be better at that, you know? So it is this understanding that it can benefit and it's good for everyone. And we shouldn't show people from that. Um, so we decided not to travel, right? Um, that'll be a good plan. And the Friday before Thanksgiving, um, we went in for a check, just a heartbeat check. And I remember feeling her move on the way in. And I said to Kyle, like, it's all good. We're all good. I just felt her move. We're good. And we get in there and he quickly says, you know, there's no heartbeat today. And, you know, the click of the ultrasound. And I just remember feeling so devastated and so like disoriented. And then thinking like, why am I, why do I feel? feel this way because they told us this was going to happen. And we were 24 weeks at that time. And so I was about to ask how many weeks I'd really started to like, think like, we're going to do this. We're in the home stretch and we're going to get there. Yeah. We're doing this. Um, cause every time they were like, it's so the heartbeat is so strong, you know, and just feeling like, you know, that 
gut punch and that just immediate like feeling like just in an instant going from like holding life to now death is like encompassing me, you know? And my doctor was at like, this was a specialist. So my regular doctor was out of town, um, like on some like camping trip with her son that like, she didn't like, she wasn't, she only checked her cell like <clears throat> one time or something mm-hmm. in the next three days. And so they were like, we, we can't schedule an induction until she gets back, you know? And I'm like, and for me, other people, it might be different, but for me, that was so hard to wait. Like, I just, I wanted to go ahead and like, just move, not move on, but like, get this part. Let's get going on this part. Let's get going on this part. Or like, now I'm not holding life anymore, you know? And, um, so, but my doctor checked her message and came back a day early. Um, and so I only had to wait from like Friday to Sunday. Um, and I remember like everybody wanted to do things and which was so kind and, and all the things. Um, and my, it was also my birthday was the next week. Um, and I had told God before that, like, you better not do this on my birthday. (laughs) Right. Such a brat, but I did. (laughs) And he still loves me. And, but now it would have been like, now it would have been such a sweet, like I could see how sweet that would have been, but he, you know, then it, it didn't feel sweet. You know, it wouldn't, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like it would feel sweet. And so my aunt had wanted to, you know, let me go out for dinner or something or take, you know, just be a respite. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to, but, um, you know, it was the right, you know, a good thing to do. So we went and I remember shopping for what I was going to wear to the funeral, which, you know, you're like, it's really surreal to like shopping for my child's funeral, you know, it's extremely surreal. I'll never forget doing that. Like I, I, I want, I want to wear something beautiful to this funeral, but also like, I don't even want this to be a thing. And then yeah. I never want to wear this again. <laughs> yeah. But I can't, but I, the parts of me can't bring myself to get rid of it. Oh no. It's on a hanger in my closet and I look at it pretty much every day. Yeah. And so we came back and picked up the kids and it was like 45 minutes away. So we we're driving home and my husband got really sorry to get sick so much so that he was like, I might need you to drive, which that's probably also another podcast, but I don't drive when he's in the car because not good things happen. Like he says, things that too, he, huh? he says things that he thinks are instructional. And I say things like, like the 16 year old punk kid that he's instructing. And so we just don't really do it. And so he, I was like, oh, he is sick. And then he started to we got home and kids got in the bed and he started like really like, like throwing up very, very forcefully. And I was like, are we seriously doing this? And I felt like God said, give thanks. And I was like, I'm going to need you to stop saying that for just that's enough. <clears throat> that's a no, because I'm already not great at like the nurturing for the husband side. Um, I want to be better that, and that is actually an improvement. And so 
I, but I, if I'm being honest, I'm just not. And especially then I was like, felt like I was so just depleted and wrung out, you know? Yeah. And so we did that. And he asked me to go at like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you know, barf everywhere. And all I can think of is you better get it in the toilet, dude. That's all I have to say. Not, are you okay? Anything, but like get it in the toilet. And he said, can this you please one job? <laughs> yeah, it's one job. Can you go get me, you know, Gatorade at like three o'clock in the morning? And I'm like, and he's like, if I have any chance of making it to the delivery, you know, then I, and I'm like, that's fair. And so I got up and went, but I had like cried myself to sleep that night. So like, I didn't look at myself. So there was like, like mascara everywhere. And I had really short hair. And then so it was like peacock hair. And I just threw on the first jacket. So I really <clears throat> looked interesting when I went to uh, Walgreens and I got it. And on the way home, I just remember telling God, like, I don't want to do this by myself. Like, I want him there. But if that's what you require of me, like, I'll do it. And so I get home. He gets the Gatorade. I go sleep somewhere else because I cannot do this. And he comes out the next morning looking very good for someone who had thrown up so violently the night before. And he was like, I think I'm going to be okay. I think I'm going to do it. Thank you for listening to Slaying the Stigma. We hope you will join us for part two of our conversation with Meredith when she tells us the rest of her story and how she learned to find peace in the midst of pregnancy loss. To continue the conversation, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and connect with us at gatheringhope.org, Instagram, YouTube, or our private Facebook group where you can meet other mothers and find support. We know that pregnancy loss is lonely, but you're not alone. We're survivors too. Let's walk through this journey together.